Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 204 today, or tonight, I should say. We're going to be discussing the UAP report and news. Um, and uh, before we get started here, everybody head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. We do have a bunch of stuff up there, so if you listen to our show, there's a bunch of other content that's not on YouTube or any of the audio platforms, so go check that out. And uh, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. So no matter what the topic, whether it's metaphysics or metaphysical things, it's the perfect platform to discuss that kind of stuff, whether it's a hypothesis, theory, speculation. Head on over there and sign up for an account. Um, and uh, yeah, so before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to everybody uh, who's been sending me messages. The reason why we haven't done our show for about a month now it wasn't a um, hiatus that we chose. I actually have had some severe back pain that been to a bunch of doctors and uh, hopefully uh, we're on the right track. They think it's inflammation. They don't know exactly what it is, but uh, we've had some super nice people reach out and send me some nice messages. Shout out to Sandy and Sean and uh, Cole and everybody on our discord. So thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to try and get back to uh, business here and, uh, sorry for the delay, but sometimes your, your health is the most important thing. So it's not sometimes it always is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so here we are. Um, so since we've had our break, the UAP report has come out and, Anybody that listens to our show or people on UFO Twitter, uh, I'm sure a lot of you that are paying attention have already gone through it or heard other podcasts or listened to people talk about it or you've been on UFO Twitter uh, discussing it. Uh, But I kind of wanted to go through a little bit of it and give a more philosophical um, point of view on what's going on and kind of go through it that way. Uh, have you read any of it, Maurice, or have you been paying attention or not really? Nah, not too much. I remember when it it came out a couple weeks ago, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I saw a couple things here or there, but nothing too severe. Yeah. Um, so there's, when it came out, there's a lot of people that were disappointed in what was in it. They felt like there was a lot of stuff lacking, um, and there oh yeah, was, actually, I'm remembering now. Wasn't it a couple of pages? Everybody thought it was going to be a long. It was, it's report. nine. It's nine pages. Well, here's the thing. It's so it's nine pages. The ones, the part that they released that's declassified, and then there's, I guess, seventy nine or eighty pages that are classified that they didn't release. So, um, I don't mm. really know. Obviously, I don't know if anybody does what's on the classified, but um, I know a lot of people were expecting like more new videos or pictures or information that you know. So I think that that's what. A lot of people were let down by, um, but in terms of um, like going through the report, I actually read the whole thing. It's not really that long. Like you said, it's only nine pages. Um, 
it kind of stood out to me as like kind of interesting from like an epistemological standpoint in the sense that they're telling, they're saying there are these things, they don't know what they are, they're there, let's create, you know, this task force and try and figure out what's going on. Is this, are these adversaries? Is this atmospheric phenomena? Is this, you know, extraterrestrial? Like what's going on? Like, let's figure this out. So from reading it, I kind of got, I I got a vibe. It's like, I like that this didn't draw any conclusions. It kind of left a lot to be interpreted and that might rub some people the wrong way, but it's like, if you're truly trying to understand what this is or what's going on, I don't think you can, you know, start from the end point of saying that this is for sure aliens and we, you know, whatever that, you know, that whole thing is. So, um, I, I like that they took this approach and it's kind of new in the sense that like they're talking about it openly, obviously for what, 60, 70 years, it's been something that was either taboo or people just didn't talk about it. And if you did talk about it, you were crazy kind of a thing. So, um, Mm -hmm. they've kind of brought it to the forefront now where it's like, okay, we have military people who have been seeing these things. We have radar, we have, you know, these sensor data, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, but back to, so you have two people, you have two different, you know, people, you have the people that were really pleased with it and the people that weren't really pleased. Very few people that I see was like, oh, it's okay. You know, kind of like in the middle, but I think the people that were disappointed were people that are either on UFO Twitter all day. You know, they know all the new stuff. They know all the new podcasts. They know all the new, um, reports and releases. And, you know, this guy said this and that guy said this and, all that kind of stuff. So those people were kind of let down. And then you have the people uh, who, who liked it, who are saying, well, this is a big step forward. People, this is our own government discussing that this is a real possibility and we don't know what it is kind of a thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, where I find myself is, is probably with the, um, again, I like it cause it's a, it's from like an epistemological lens. They're not saying for sure it's one thing or the other. They're just saying, here's the data. Here's what we know. And, you know, even if they know more or they know some crazier things, it doesn't sound like they're just jumping to conclusions based off that either. And, you know, from what I've seen. So, um, yeah, so I, I think I liked it from that standpoint. I don't like the specul the speculation stuff or the people that are like, um, you know, we for sure have this or for sure have that. Or like, how do you know that? Like somebody said something, somebody said it on a podcast, you know, like, show, show, show us something. And if you can't show us something, then who, you know, what's, what's the point of even talking about it? Because you're not going to be able to prove it. So, um, right. let's look at page, page one is literally just a cover page. Um, the office of the director of national intelligence page two is where everything kind of starts. It's called scope and assumptions. Um, and it just goes through again, kind of the basic stuff, how, you know, the task force was created and, 2021 and, uh, the department of defense and the, you know, the task force has made, uh, is looking into it from like a threat, potential threat, or just trying to figure out what's going on. Um, this is also so they could present this to like policymakers and politicians and stuff like that. Um, let's see here. So they, you know, the, um, it says they consulted with, you know, the, um, the ODNI, uh, 
so it says the UAP t- uh, task force and the ODNI national intelligence manager for aviation drafted this report. Um, and it says input was taken from, uh, the USD, the DIA, the FBI, the NRO, the NGA, the NSA, the air force, army, Navy, Navy office, uh, uh, the office of Navy intelligence, DARPA, FAA, NOAA, NGA. So basically all the intelligence collecting, um, organizations that we have within our government. Um, so my whole thing is, is they obviously went through, um, they went through this pretty thoroughly. Cause if you're consulting and, and I guess the other thing is, is, I mean, who knows exactly what kind of data those different, um, uh, organizations within our government actually have, and then how long have they been collecting it and how long have they been taking it seriously? That would be what I would be interested in, in terms of them reaching out to all those different organizations. So, um, you know, how long most people point to like the air force or the Navy is having a lot of information. You know, some people you see like, um, a lot of people, when they talk about this stuff, they talk about like the CIA and stuff. And I've heard a lot of CIA people talk about how that's not really in the wheelhouse of like what they're doing. I'm not saying there hasn't been anything at any point, but I'm just saying in terms of who's got the information, who's got the data, it seems like it's more of like an air force, Navy, army type of a thing. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of other private companies probably have data too. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, they, they definitely at least have said in this report that they've reached out and got input from all these different organizations. Again, does one have more information or has one been collecting information longer? We're just starting to take this seriously now from like a policy standpoint and like a government standpoint. So who knows what's been lost to time or turnover and government stuff like that i mean makes you wonder um yeah so and then that's so that's page two page three goes into like the executive summary which is the limit of uh basically it's talking about like how there's a limited amount of high quality reporting on unidentified aerial phenomenon and it hampers the ability to draw from you know absolute conclusions or scientific conclusions. Um, it's almost like in the nature of the UAP is basically what it's saying. So, um, the nature of this thing is to be evasive basically. Um, so as a result, it says the UAP TF, which is the UAP task force has concentrated its, uh, review on reports that occurred between 2004 and 2021 the majority of which are, are as a result of a new tailored process to better capture UAP events through formalized reporting. So 2004, that's when I think the Tic Tac encounter occurred in November. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then, this has been kind of a, um, like a more of a data collecting and paying more attention to sensory data and probably more FLIR footage and that kind of stuff. So I mean, again, how far does this go back? Did we, did, was technology just not up to par back then to, to kind of even look at this objectively? I don't know. Um, let's see here. Most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects given that a majority of UAP were registered across multiple sensors to include radar, infrared, electro-optical, 
weapon seekers, and visual observation. So um, they're saying, you know, because there's a lot of people will say, oh, it's consciousness-based and um, maybe it's non-physical or interdimensional. And this report's saying that all the data they have points to it being probably most likely more physical. Um, but as I've pointed out many times before, we don't even know what consciousness is. And every single thing in the universe that we can observe is filtered through our consciousness. So I think that that's probably a little bit more bigger picture than, you know, they're willing to go at this point. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the conversation of stuff being physical and non-physical either. Like, you know, we are all just energy vibrations, uh, data, you know, so uh-huh. and that's a whole different discussion though. I mean, it's something that we've talked about a lot of times on this podcast before too. So, okay. Uh, and in li- uh, a limited number of incidences, um, UAP reportedly appeared to exhibit usual or unusual flight characteristics. These observations could be a result of sensor errors, spoofing or observer mis, uh, misperception and require additional, uh, analysis. So this is saying that maybe some of them, you know, there's sensory data that's flawed or maybe there's, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some issue with something or something malfunction, but I don't see that happen. I think that somewhere in the report, it says that out of the 144 cases of anomalous, you know, technology doing crazy things, I think that they can only rule one out out of that. So like 143 out of 144 did exhibit technology that is beyond our capabilities, at least to the observer. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And there's sensory data for some of those too. So, um, let's see here. It says there are probably multiple types of UAP recovering or requiring different explorations based on the range of appearances and behaviors described in the available reporting. Our analysis of the data supports the construct that if and and when you uh, or the individual UAP incidences are solved or resolved, they will fall into one of five potentially explanatory categories: airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, uh, USG or United States industry development programs, foreign adversary programs, um, and then a random. You know, so, I mean, they're saying that if they can solve this or figure things out, that it's most likely going to fall into like something we know, which would be debris, um, atmospheric phenomena, um, something that we've created, something another country's created. So, um, that's just merely saying that if something can be figured out, maybe it's like that. But then again, 143 out of 144 were not so easily um, figured out. So Um, it says UAP clearly uh, pose a safety or flight issue that may pose a challenge to the U.S. national security. Um, There's safety concerns, obviously, for aviators. And, you know, the um, so, I mean, what it comes down to is there's things flying in our airspace. Yeah, they're warning people. So. We we don't know what it is. What is, you know, what is it? And at very least, if it's not extraterrestrial or it's not something atmospheric, we need to figure out what it is from the sense of national security. So, uh, let's see Yeah, here. but isn't there a possibility it's just something that we just don't know about within our own 
confined. Well, I know, mean, like, yeah, like, yeah like, it could be, but what does that even mean? Like, so again, I pointed could it's a privately be, owned. Oh, you're company. saying, yeah. Well, I mean, it could be that, but I mean, don't you think that's the best? Uh, well, here's the thing: those those companies contract to give the the stuff to our country. Like that's what we use to, you know, that's who creates all these different uh, new planes and new technology. You know, like that's where that right. comes from. So it's like, why wouldn't they give us the best stuff? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I I hear a lot of people make that argument, and maybe they do have stuff beyond year way. They do have. I mean, I we know they have stuff way beyond years but i mean what the some of the technology it sounds like that people are seeing and i've seen weird stuff too it's it's beyond 10 20 30 years you know so i would say that maybe that point to that as being um uh a little bit of a uh debate section right there Mm -hmm. um let's see here page four uh available reporting largely inconclusive so um, they're saying that there's limited data and reporting, you know, and there's, um, there's all these instances with air force people, pilots, Navy people. Um, and there's just not like a ton other than like some of the sensory stuff, some of the radar stuff, eyewitness accounts and stuff like, there's just not like a ton. It's not like they have sensor tests set up like you would like maybe scientists would do to, for an experiment you know and i think that they probably need to do something yeah i was like gonna it. say they should start implementing some of this stuff. yeah they have the resources why not use them when we had avi loban i said that i'm like why don't you like we need somebody to reach out and like do that even if it's it's like if you're looking into the, the vastness of the universe and you're looking at how large the universe is and when it started and all that. If you're going to take time and spend money on that, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, but why, if there's this weird thing going on here, let's spend a little bit more of those resources and figure that out first. And then we can move on to some of the deeper space stuff, in my opinion. And you only need a few people, a few, you know, big scientists and then probably some people, collecting data i don't think you need like some large you know um team or something like that but uh-huh uh let's see here um it says that all the reports involved you know with witnesses firsthand whether they be military aviators or navy people like whoever it was um are considered to be reliable. And these reports describe instances, again, that occurred between 2004, 2021. Um, and a majority of them happened within the last two years because of new uh, reporting mechanisms. Uh, and they, you know, they've eased off on like making it kind of a joke in the military. So you have more, probably more military people stepping forward, feeling like they can talk about it. So, uh, this is the part, yeah, so 144 reports originated from the United States government sources. Of these, 80 reports involved observations with multiple sensors. Uh, most reports described UAP as objects that interrupted pre-planned training or other military activity. Um, let's see here. I mean, that's 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 an interesting one, too, because it's like, why does it happen when they're doing military activity? Like why, 
when they're doing exercises? Is it happening regardless of those exercises and it just happens to be that's how they observe them? Or are they bringing the weirdness to the exercises? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just something to think about, you know? it's uh... That's why I think a lot of people are upset because they release some information, but they really didn't get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Which maybe they have information, maybe they don't, but... Um, it says UAP collection uh, challenges. So um, this says, again, what we were talking about, sociocultural stigmas, sensor limitations, remain obstacles for collecting data on UAP. Uh, although some technical challenges, such as how to appropriately filter out radar and clutter and ensure the safety of flight or, or flight for military and civilian aircraft are long withstanding in the aviation community while others are unique to the UAP problem set. Um, let's see here. Um, so it says narratives from aviators in the operational community and analysts from the military and IC describe uh, disparagement associated with observing UAP reporting it or attempting to discuss it with colleagues. Although the effects of these stigmas have lessened as senior members of the scientific policy, military and intelligence communities engage and take these topics seriously. Uh, reputational risk may keep uh, many observers silent, complicating science, the scientific pursuit of these topics. So, I mean, we've had Lee on, you know, our buddy Lee Adams, and yeah. uh, he was stationed on the USS Nemitz. He wasn't there for the incident, but he was stationed there later on. And mm -hmm. then he had his own sighting later on at a base in Virginia. But um, jellyfish incident. Yeah. <clears throat> but so he talks about when he, we had him on talking about this, the USS Nemitz and the, the culture on these um, carriers and stuff like that. He was saying that, like, Everybody just kind of believed. I mean, I'm sure you had some skeptical people, but he said a lot of the people just like, yeah, you know, what else is new kind of a thing. So it's obvious that these things are common and they're just taken as, oh, it's probably some new technology or whatever. You know, like there's not a whole lot of questioning going on, but that's probably because of the culture that's been kind of implemented, you know, like a uh, let's not talk about this because you're crazy if you do or don't, you know, like let's talk about it, but just joking around and don't. Or you don't think that they there's like an underlying already, they know about it, so they just don't talk about it. Like it's already kind of in the know. I, I mean, I don't think military people know about it. Like at your average military person, maybe people that are higher up, like generals or something might have some sort of knowledge, but. Cause I was talking to my, I was talking to my girlfriend and she's a flight, you know, she's a flight attendant and stuff. And she said that her, that the pilots would see stuff all the time. So I'm just curious if maybe they, uh, if it's just like, Oh, there's another one of those things. We see these all the time. Well, you I know? know pilots do see a lot of weird stuff. There was a couple recently that happened within the last year that were kind of weird that they reported. And I know for uh -huh. a while, I don't know if it's still going on, but if you, if a pilot saw something weird in the sky, they were supposed to report it to like, you know, uh, Robert Bigelow or, you know, Bigelow. I don't know if you're, we've talked about them. Yeah. He yeah. Has an aerospace absolutely. company. Um, so yeah, so they're, that's definitely something that's talked about, but again, like what, what are they going to do about it? You know, they're flying a commercial jet. It's not like they're going to, I mean, I don't know if they can collect data like that or 
I'm, well, I'm just curious if you're in the military and you're on a boat or something like that, you, you, you might see stuff all the time. So it's just like, it's more of a hassle to, right. it's just kind of expected. Yeah. That's my thought on it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's just one of these weird things that happens. Uh, um, so this also says the sensors mounted on the USS military platforms are typically designed to fulfill specific mis- missions. As a result, those sensors are not generally suited for identifying UAP. So again, we need to get better scientific equipment out there that are going to look for, you know, are these looking for electromagnetic? You know, everybody thinks that uh, these are gravity propulsion or gravity crafts or something like that. So let's get some electromagnetic sensory data going, you know, or something like you have to like think about what's, how is this could be doing this? And then based off of that, what could we use to try and collect that data? Right. And I don't think a lot of people think about it like that. I think they just think that, oh, we have the infrared radar or with night vision or what, you know, and like that's just good enough. But I don't think that that is because if these things are coming in and out of spectrums, whatever it is, it could be, it could be something happening, even something atmospheric. Again, I think, I believe there's definitely life out there out of all the possibilities in the universe. There's definitely life out there. Do I think it's visiting here? I think it's possible. I always keep my mind open that. And I've seen weird stuff. I've saw weird orb with my dad last year. Um, and thought that that was, it was a very bizarre event. And, uh, uh, do I think that, uh, there's stuff beyond our capabilities flying our skies? Yeah, I do. Do I think it's necessarily aliens visiting us or whatever? I don't know. You know, I I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to have the answers of some sort of secret knowledge. All I know is on our podcast a million times, we've talked about the weird experiences, you know, from having psychedelic experiences and, conscious you know like meditating and having weird experiences or lucid dreaming a lot of these involving uap ufo um you know gray archetypes and stuff like that so again weird stuff happens i've experienced it but i'm not going to sit here and say for sure there's things flying here from a different planet or galaxy or uh, dimension you know i think that it's definitely something to be speculated about for sure but mm-hmm I don't like putting all my eggs in any basket. I just like looking at all the information and always evolving my idea of what's going on. Right. Um, it says sen- uh, sensor vantage points and numbers of sensors uh, concurrently uh, observing an object play substantial roles in distinguishing UAP from known objects and determining whether a UAP demonstrates breakthrough aerospace capabilities. Optical sensors have the benefit of providing some insight into these rel- into the relative size, shape, and structure. Radio frequency sensors provide more accurate velocity and range information. So they're telling you kind of what they have or what they use and what it what it can pick up, kind of a thing. So, uh-huh. all right, um, let's see here, page five. So this is about potential patterns and how they do emerge. Um. So although there was a wide uh, variability in the reports and the data set uh, is currently too limited to allow for detailed trend or pattern analysis, there was some clustering of UAP observations regarding size, shape, and particularly propulsion. UAP sightings also tend to cluster around U.S. uh, training and testing grounds, but we assess that this may result from a collection bias as a uh, result of focused attention greater numbers of latest generation sensors operating in those areas 
unit expectations and guidance to report anomalies. So this, this is something I think about a lot. Like I know there's sightings in other countries. There's big events that have happened in other countries. It just seems, doesn't it seem like most of this stuff is just happening in like the U S you know, maybe, you know, I know there's some stuff on the East coast, but just mainly like the West coast and desert area from like Nevada to the coast of California and like into the, um, water area. It seems like where most of this stuff's happening. Obviously again, big, big sightings in Chicago, big sightings East coast, but most of the stuff to me appears to be happening in that, in that region. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that, but again, we're, we're kind of square put into that zone. So right. hear and, more about it here. So. And the, the other question is, does that, is that, the case though too because there is more military bases or training going on out there there is the desert there's a lot of stuff out there military wise is it happening out there because there's so much room and less people and that's where a lot of that stuff happens um i don't know but um it just appears to me like aside from your occasional rendlesham forest or uh brussels you know whatever um uh, the Belgium site, like whatever these other ones are, they don't seem to be happening as frequently as a lot of the stuff in the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, again, is it cause we're paying attention more or we have the better technology or we just have more people doing more of that stuff in general? I don't know. Yeah. There's also could be, there's more people that are, uh, trying to create a stir. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know what, what you would think the, the percentage of, actual valid accounts are there's a lot of before there was a lot of nuts associated with the whole concepts obviously more i mean there still are there's still nuts well Um, i'm not saying that that, but you know a lot of information's coming out and there's more there's a lot more credible people that are talking about this thing so it's bringing a lot more validity to the whole situation but at the same time these people that it's like this it's kind of like the old the bigfoot thing the, the where these sightings are happening um, the people out there are just a little bit off, if you will. Um, to some degree, right? B. Gidget be just says people don't give credibility to non-military encounters. I kind of agree with that. I feel like non-military encounters, um, you do well. Here's the problem with that, though, because there are a lot of crazy people that just make stuff up too. Right. So it's like we're kind of our worst, our own worst enemy. And this, I mean, this goes for like, not just the UFO topic. It goes for like a lot of different things. All the stuff we cover on our podcast is all, um, mystery based or, uh, fringe bait. You know, it's all like Mm -hmm. things that can't be proven or disproven. So it's like when you go to into any of those topics, there are always going to be like charlatan type people that take advantage of other people or want to make, you know, money or whatever. I mean, Let's face it, this UAP UFO topic is super hot right now. Like, there's people making money. Since the last year, there's been probably 10 podcasts I've seen just pop up on UFO Twitter alone that people just like, oh, and I always look, I always support people being creative and whatever. But when you just start doing something like that, you have to be like, um, you have to take it seriously. You know, like, 
I, mm-hmm. you have, have fun, you know, whatever. But at the same time, it's like, do your homework. And there's a lot of people not doing their homework. And I listen, I'm like, I can't listen to this, you know, whether the sound quality is terrible or the people don't know what they're talking about or they have like no basis for what's going on. It's like, again, there's money to be made. And I see people being like shaped and molded. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you see these like different, um, sets on ufo twitter where people will defend certain people and not others and there's these little groups and little uh um things forming where it's like oh we don't like this group because they think this and these people think that and um it's just one of these weird things that's happening where it's like these people are are not even like we don't even know what this thing is and these people are already like taking sides and like defending each other against other people it's like what are you doing right now like you're completely speculating and you have no idea what you're talking about so well that's um, the nature is the, the, the divide well and argue yeah unfortunately and I, look i'm not gonna i'm not here to pontificate either because i was when we started this podcast i was in the same boat i just believe i just believe stuff you know like oh that's crazy you know let me read more about that and like when you're in an echo chamber and you're only reading you know mystical things or metaphysical things and you're not balancing it out with reality you're like what we know scientifically i think you're in a you're putting yourself in a bad position now i don't know um i don't know every like we don't we don't know everything obviously like scientifically like that's the whole thing like science is always is always an evolving thing but at the same time um i don't know I, at the same time it just seems like uh people love speculating i mean it's, it's the same thing goes with like religion it's like do you know how the bible was written do you know how many people wrote it do you know that the origins of kind of christianity kind of came from plato like plato and then it gets into Neoplatonism and then, you know, it's this like evolution of things. So it's like most people. Yeah, be- no one wants to do the due diligence. That's but, the- but most people that believe these crazy things like a like a, a Zeus looking character sitting on a cloud in the sky playing chess with us. They don't mm-hmm. even understand how that idea even got there to begin with. They just believe it. And I think that that same goes with this kind of stuff, too. It's like if you don't have that balance, you're just willing to believe crazy stuff and on top of that you have other people that are either kind of in the know or have a position of authority that tell certain people things i'm not saying it's intentional disinfo or anything like that but you do have people telling people things where they don't even know if it's true but they're saying for sure it's true so right um so you have a lot of that look again i don't i don't we're human beings we have all these different biases we did that whole episode on cognitive bias confirmation bias there's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Like we have all these like cognitive issues and memories super flawed. Um, so I'm not here to like whatever, you know, rag on people. I'm just saying like if I'm actively taking a role to, to at least be aware of my biases and like take a philosophical, you know, you know, you can look at things with Occam's razor and not believe the easiest outcome every time, but you can use it as a tool you can use philosophy as a tool. You can use science as a tool. You can use all these things, and they're all great and wonderful. And I think that you should have at least some knowledge on those things when you're discussing stuff like this. Because I don't necessarily even think that this is... When people think about UFO, they just think UFO or alien or a gray alien or it's in, in, it's in the craft. It's They're not thinking von Neumann probes. They're not thinking... Uh, AI from other galaxies that got here. You know, they're not thinking... Some people do, but... 
most of the time people think about this as like its own thing. It's either nuts and bolts or it's just this alien thing. And I look at it from more of like a big picture, big picture standpoint, which would be, um, like the big picture in terms of like all these things kind of coming together that makes us what we are and at least gives us some answers. So I think that that's how to look at these things. I'm, you know, I'm not, like I said, I don't have all the answers, but I think that you have to at least take a more, uh, analytical approach and not just believe people at their word. So. Absolutely. Um, so this, on this part, it says UAP probably lack a single explanation. The UAP documented in this limited data set demonstrate an array of aerial behaviors, uh, reinforcing the possibility there are multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations. Our analysis of the data supports the construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will... Okay, so we already talked about that one, the, how it falls into the different uh, categories, whether it be... Uh, airborne clutter, a deflating balloon, that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It also talks about, so this is funny after, uh, I wonder if it, they looked into McWest stuff because these objects include birds, balloons, uh, recreational unmanned aerial vehicles, um, or airborne debris like plastic bags. Um, I mean, you can't tell the difference between those though. That's the... Well, I mean, like, in, if you're at a high altitude and you're like a, a fighter pilot, you know, like, how how would you like? Is a plastic bag even make a difference? You know, like, I don't know. That's what I, first of all, how is a plastic bag getting that high? Well, you look at like the gimbal video too. Um, how could something stay in that that amount of wind uh, resistance? If it was a plastic bag or a bird or something like that, doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, that almost seems like a cop out to me. Plus, birds the, the these people are flying planes. You would think that they have enough intelligence to be able to tell well, I mean, what a bird is or not. Birds do. If, I mean, there's birds that have taken out, you know, commercial jets and stuff. You know, like oh, they yeah. get the engine, What's you know, and, and and they mess it up. So obviously, yeah. Cap, what was that movie? I don't know. But Where Tom Hanks plays the guy. The birds flying. Oh, uh, Castaway. No, not Castaway. <laughs> oh, I know no, what you're talking about. Uh, oh, Sullivan. Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Sullivan. I don't know if if that's the name of the movie, but no, I don't even think I saw it. But I know that was a that guy it's from a New York movie. Oh, I gotta look this yeah. up. Um. So here's so the natural atmospheric phenomena. Natural uh, atmospheric. Sully. Phenomena. Is yeah, the movie. Sully. There you go. That's like that. Uh, have you seen that Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry? Um, He's like heroic on the plane and, and he like falls, he like knocks this guy over who's making a big, you know, commotion on the plane. And he like, he's reaching down to like tie his shoe and he accidentally trips and like knocks the guy over who was making the scene and everybody's clapping like, oh, you're a hero. Maybe I have seen that. And then later his like the girl that he picks up on the plane uh, finds out that he like Susie tells him that uh, he accidentally fell and it wasn't him like tackling the guy to save everybody you know it was like yeah, it sounds like those... a classic adventure <laughs> classic uh uh larry. yeah classic larry um so it says the natural atmospheric phenomena includes ice crystals moisture thermal fluctuations that may uh register on the infrared and radar systems um the USG or Industrial Development Program, some UAP observations could be attributable 
to developments in classified programs by U.S. entities. Uh, we are unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UAP reports we collected. So this is saying that maybe um, some of these classified government programs offered up some data or maybe some data was taken. I don't know. Um, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they're just saying that. Hmm. Uh, foreign adversary systems, some UAP may be technologies deployed by China, Russia, another nation, or non-governmental uh, entities. So, um, I mean, who knows? I have heard some people talk about that too. Like, could it be some private company, not even like in the military industry that's created something that maybe has something to do with something completely else that is, you know, accounts for some of this technology? I don't know. Um, all right, now we get to page six. Uh, let's see here. It says, although most of the UAP described in our data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection processing or analysis, we require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, characterize some of them. Uh, we would group some or group such uh, objects in this category pending scientific advances uh, that allowed us to better understand them. The UAP task force intends to focus additional analysis on smaller number of cases where a UAP appeared to display unusual flight characteristics or signature management. Um, so, you know, that's the other thing is it seems like they didn't just put this report out and like, oh, well, we don't know what's going on. It seems like they're going to create either, you know, more uh, organizations or an organization to look into this, you know, more heavily and make sure that it's nothing yeah, to be I worried about. So. Yeah, I mean, but you, again, you say you would hope so, but stuff like that's not a given. So that's a good right. thing. Uh, UAP threatened flight safety possibility uh, and possibly national security it says UAP pose a hazard to safety of flight uh, that could pose a, a broader danger if some instances represent sophisticated collection against US or US military activities by a foreign government or demonstrate a breakthrough aerospace technology by a potential adversary um, ongoing aerospace concerns so when aviators encounter safety concerns they're required to report these concerns depending on the location volume and behavior of hazards during the incursions on the ranges, pilots may cease their test and or training uh, and their aircraft, which has a deterrent effect on reporting. Um, it says the UAP task force has 11 reports of documented instances in which pilots reported near misses with a U.S. or with a UAP. <clears throat> so I assume that David Fravor counts in there. Yeah. Um, see here. Okay. So I mean, you think that the briefing on his account would be 20 to 30 pages alone. Well, I mean, again, there's 70 or 80 pages that were, um, still classified that they didn't include into this. So, uh, I mean, who knows that might be in there. Uh, potential national security challenges. We currently lack data to indicate any UAP are part of a foreign collection program or 
uh, indicative of a major technological advancement by a potential adversary. We continue to moder- uh, monitor for evidence of such programs given the counterintelligence challenge they would pose, particularly as some of the UAP may be uh, detected near uh, military facilities or by aircraft carrying uh, the USG's most uh, advanced sensor systems. Um, let's see here. This part says explaining UAP will require more analytic uh, collection and resource investment. Uh, they're going to standardize the reporting, consolidate the data, and deepen the analysis. Um, let's see here. This next part's all about like the political aspects of it. Um, it says the UAP task force has begun to develop, uh, analytical and, uh, processing workflows to ensure collection and analysis will be, uh, well-informed and coordinated. Mm-hmm. The majority, okay, this is page seven. The majority of UAP data is from U.S. Navy reporting, but efforts are underway to standardize incident reporting across U.S. US military services and other government agencies to ensure all relevant data is captured with respect to particular incidences and any U.S. activity that might be relevant. The UAP task force is currently working to acquire additional reporting, including from the U.S. Air Force, has begun receiving data from the Federal Aviation Administration. So there you go. It sounds like the FAA is now going to probably, all the pilots are going to report, you know, either people nice. that are working in the towers or the actual pilots. I assume that they're going to start sending all that data their way. Although the U.S. Air Force data collection has been limited historically, the U.S. Air Force began a six-month pilot program in November 2020 to collect in the most likely areas to encounter UAP and is evaluating uh, how to um, normalize future collection, reporting, and uh, analyze across the entire Air Force. Um, let's see here. The FAA captures data related to UAP during the normal course of managing air traffic operations. The FAA generally ingests this data when pilots and other air, uh, airspace users report unusual or unexpected events to the FAA's air traffic organization. So that kind of answers your question about before. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, in addition, the FAA continuously monitors its systems for anomalies general, um, generating additional information that may be useful to the U.S. Uh, UAP task force. The FAA is able to isolate data of interest um, uh, to the UAP uh, task force and make it available. The FAA has a robust and effective outreach program that can help the UAP task force reach members of the aviation community to highlight the importance of reporting these UAP. So that's good. I mean, there's probably a lot of pilots that, like we were talking about the military, that just don't want to, just don't want to report it or don't want to get involved or it's like a hassle or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, so it says an increase in investment in research and development. The UAP task force has indicated that additional funding for research and development could further the future study of the topics, uh, laid out in the report, such as investments, uh, should be guided by UAP collection strategy, UAP research and development, technical roadmap, and UAP program plan. 
So, and then page eight and nine are like appendixes. It's page eight. It's just like telling you like what terminologies are like what UAP stands for. So there's really only six pages of info. <laughs> these guys. Pretty, pretty much. Um, <laughs> let me see here. <clears throat> Here's some more. There's some stuff on page nine. It's, uh, talks about the Senate report and, uh, accompanying the Intelligence Authorization Act for the fiscal year of 2021, provided by the Department of National Intelligence. Let's see here. It says, the Senate report specifically requested that the report include, number one, is a detailed analysis of UAP data and intelligence reporting collected or held by the Office of Naval Intelligence, including data and intelligence reporting held by the UAP task force. Number two, detailed analysis of unidentified phenomena data collected by geospatial intelligence, B, uh, signals intelligence, C, human intelligence, and D, measurement and signatures intelligence. Um, number three, a detailed analysis of data and the Federal Bureau of, of Investigation, which uh, was derived from the investigations of intrusions of UAP over uh, restricted U.S. airspace. Number four, a detailed description of the uh, process for ensuring a timely data collection and centralized analysis of all UAP rep uh, reporting for the federal government, regardless of which service or agency acquired the information. Number five, an indication of official accountable or uh, of an official official accountable for the process of the described paragraph four. I don't know what the hell must be a typo or I must have jot that down wrong. Um, let's see here. Oh, number six, identification of potential uh, aerospace or other threats posed by the UAP to national security and an assessment of whether the UAP activity may be attributed to one or more foreign adversaries. Uh, number seven, indication of any incidences or patterns that indicate a potential adversary uh, have achieved breakthrough aerospace capa capabilities that could put the U.S. strategic or conventional forces at risk. Uh, recommendations regard or number eight re recommendations regarding increased collection of data, enhanced research and development, uh, um, and additional funding and other resources. Mm. So. And that's pretty much it. That was page nine. So we just kind of went through most of it. I left a couple paragraphs that had more to do with like the politics and stuff out. But um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> underwhelming, but what are you going to do? But again, it's, it's better <clears throat> than nothing. But Well, here's the thing is let's say you're interested in this topic and, you know, you're all you you you're all caught up on all the new stuff. Um, most people aren't, you know, like there's like politicians probably don't go home and think about this. You know, like the people that are, you need to care about this scientists, like mainstream scientists, these people should care maybe about that, but they're not going home and thinking about, you know, UAPs and UFOs and stuff like that. There's probably, you know, some, but for the most well, you part, saw, well, you saw the Musk on, Rogan, he's like, I, there's no aliens. And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, well, he, but he's he, not. He's more, you know, he's going to Mars and stuff. You would think the guy would have some kind no, of interest I, in it. If 
I, I know, but it's just, I don't know. He's got something else going on. You know, I don't think that he's... Yeah, he's a robot. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, <laughs> but, but, but aside from him, I mean, you don't need him. You know, you need more of like a, like I said, like an Avi Loeb or somebody that's willing to kind of, that has some connection to academia, that has the presence and the resources to do these kinds of things and these kinds of tests. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look, I don't know. It's just so tough because part of me, like I said, I look at what's going on on like UFO Twitter and like different social media platforms that are like, you know, whether it be Facebook or whatever, and you know, I look at how people talk about this. I look at the things people say. I'm kind of like a, like, like a watcher. Like I just watch stuff. I don't ever comment or like give my opinions on things. I just look and read and gain information. How does this person think? How does that person think? Um, and to me, we've talked about this before, but it's like, you know, you, you look at like what Carl Jung had to say about this and like, you have, you know, people have written books like, uh, what's her face? Uh, uh, American cosmic, uh, drawing a blank Pasalka. You have these people, you know, that are correlating these things to religion, it kind of is similar. And I wrote that blog on our, it's on our website too, about uh, UFOs and epistemology and like, how do we know what we know? And if you look at like the, the evidence of things that we actually know, it's really not that much. It's just people have taken this topic and like mythologized it and basically have done what like religion, what has been done with religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you can look at like even... Like I said, when you look at the origins of things, you start to understand how things come about. And I've looked at so many origins of things, whether it be ancient civilizations or languages or cultures or, you know, whatever, megalithic building, you know, whatever it is. When you look at like how things come about, you start to get an understanding of the way things work kind of. And I just think that there is something out there. Like I, I mentioned before, I do believe there's something out there you know i don't know what it is uh, i know the truth is out there <laughs> i know you know there is something for sure out there i don't know what it is but i'm not going to sit here and pretend to know what it is and there's a lot of people doing that and that's fine i guess but then you're leading a lot of other people astray you know there's a lot of people that listen to some of these podcasts where they're just saying crazy things like insane crazy things and there's people that just like lap it up, like they just love it. They they want more of the crazy. And some of those people, I think, are even aware that it's really crazy, and they just it's almost like entertainment to them, which is fine. But again, like some of those people are also claiming truth or to know truth, and it's like, no, you can't claim that and and, and believe some of those things. So, belief uh-huh. and knowing are completely different things. Gnosis is different than believing in something. So, I mean, again, that's why we do this podcast. I don't. From the beginning, we said we want to know what the truth is. So some of our early episodes, I could walk, I look back, and I listen. I cringe. I'm like, this is <laughs> this is terrible. I can't yeah. even believe I believe so some it. of the viewers, bro, and they throw that <laughs> in my face. I, I can't even believe that I even thought that, you know. But it's like that's how you learn and that's how you grow. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, I see a lot of people, well, whether they're content creators or podcasters, making. Uh, the same mistakes year after year. We've been doing this now for almost four years, um, and I've seen a dramatic shift in like um, the quality 
and there's just so many, when we started, I think there was probably four or 500,000 podcasts. I think now there's probably, I think there's 4 million, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. You know, it's different for normal people too. Cause it's like, if you, let's say 10, 15 years ago, you had some ideas, you had some thoughts. Now they're different. Ours are logged onto a video. So it's like, they're there for us to always look and glance at. Usually for most people, their thoughts are just their thoughts and it's just a memory to them. For My, us, we can look back and actually see concrete evidence of us talking and believing a certain way. So right. you got to cut yourself a little bit of slack. I'm sure everybody's got the same kind right. of progression in their life if they're the truth seekers, if you will. Oh, 100%. I mean, I agree with that. I know, I mean, I, I know that. But what, what, I'm, what it comes down to is it seems like if you're going to do this, like I'm all, again, do podcasts. If you're creative and you want to get the stuff out there, do it. That's awesome. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So it's like, if you can create a good one or have a good topic or have a good angle on something, by all means do it. I'm just saying like, there's people out there that are just doing the same thing they've been doing 10 years ago. And it's just, they make money or they have crazy people believe the crazy things that they say. And that's fine. But, um, our, podcast is always about looking for truth or objective truth. Does that even exist? You know? Um, and I think that we've always been open and honest with people, you know, like early on, we, like we just said, we believed a lot crazier stuff. Now I've read all of Plato's dialogues. I went through all like the origins of philosophy and metaphysics. And, um, I've been educating myself as we've been doing this podcast through reading. And I don't think a lot of people read, they just either listen to people talk or they watch YouTube videos or whatever. And I think that that's where most of this information is coming from. But for true knowledge, you need to like cross-reference. You need to read a bunch of different sources. Like you can't just look at like one or two things or listen to one person and be like, that's the truth. And that's our new t-shirt. I don't think a lot of people read. <laughs> Slap it on the back, baby. <laughs> Uh, it's true though because you talk to a lot of people and it's just like well why do you why why do you believe that and they go that's just the way it is but there's no there's no basis for their their argument really but that's the society that you live in right somebody mentioned you know i said crazy like when i mean say crazy i'm talking about the people that are like these aliens come from this planet and i know it because the pleiades yeah no none of that that's not you it's know. fun, but science fiction has always been fun. Right. That's why and, we're drawn to shows. And people like are like, Star "Oh, Trek look at all these Star ancient Wars civilizations like that. that you know correlate to p- the Pleiades." Well, guess what? Because it's one of the more visible things from the night sky. And back in the ancient times, when there wasn't all this light pollution, it was probably even way more visible. So yeah, there's things connected to Orion's Belt. There's things connected to the Pleiades. There's all these different things. That doesn't mean that that's connected to some intelligence coming from, you know, so it's stuff like that. Like, um, and the other thing is there's, there are good podcasts that also have crazy people on occasionally too, that like these, like, it's just, I think there's only like, if you have a UFO podcast, there's only so many podcasts you can do with like credible, reasonable, you know, well thought out, well, you know, people that are like philosophical about this. There's only so many of those. It's fun to have the other peeps though. That's, that's the stuff that, that stirs. Right. That stirs it. But there's only so many of those you can do. So that's what I'm saying is like some of these podcasts that do like a hundred podcasts a year. I don't know if that many, but whatever those, those, some of those podcasts are having absolutely crazy people on because there's only so many people that they could have on. You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. So, I mean, that goes for other topics too. You know, there's a lot of spirituality ones that are like that. There's a lot of, 
I mean, you name it, I, I could go through the list. Um, and I like some crazy woo. Like if I'm going to listen to that, I'd rather listen to like a Duncan Trussell, like the Duncan Trussell podcast. Cause he gets weird with stuff, but at least I know that like, you know, he knows he's getting weird. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and, and it's fun. Braces the weirdness. Yeah, the weirdness. Yeah. So it's like, that's fine. You know, if you're going to say that ahead of time or, but, but it's the people that claim truth or like have the answers and, and it just, I don't know. I, well. I really don't, I don't know. But again, my whole point with all this stuff is just to let, let's look at all this stuff objectively. Stop, you know, worrying about, I mean, it is what it is. People that, uh, it's hard for me to think about, but like people that are on Twitter all day, every day talking about the UFO stuff, I get it. There's a lot of like activist people that are trying to get more people, you know, in the mix and whatever. And that's great. But Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting them in the mix about a topic that we don't know exactly what's going on. So, um, you know, to, to, to claim, I think it's easy to say, oh, get into this. It's aliens or look at these, you know, like, but it's, it's harder to be like, this is a very complicated subject. There's lots of people that see weird things. There's no explanation for them, but it's also probably not ours. So it's just like this weird thing that I think that you see a lot of people using aliens as like the, you know, to not necessarily lure people into the topic, but you know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more juicy, you know? Absolutely. But it's a dance. You got to have excitement with, uh, with the boring. Yeah. And again, like I said, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, I just, I, I hate, I hate cause I like, yeah. I like, I like having fun, you know, like I like talking, right. you and I have fun all the time when we talk about this stuff. Like the first time we pondered this, I think we smoked a little joint, you know, down by the mm-hmm. river when we were freshmen in high school or something like that on one of the camping trips we went on and we were, um, we were discussing panspermia, you know, and like stuff crazy stuff like what were we 13 14 we didn't even know well yeah we're crazy it was like 12 13 years old like there wasn't anything on tv at the time like we didn't see these were just things that we were pondering and like we had like other was our cousin bob maybe who was in like desert storm and he was telling us about like weird stuff and his weird theories and stuff like that so it's like right um that's kind of how we got into this stuff it wasn't like a recent thing like we've been talking about this for a long time and uh i just think that we need to take a more analytical scientific approach if you really want to figure out what's going on if you don't and you just want to make money or speculate or whatever fine do whatever you got to do but if you're really after trying to figure out what's going on i think you really have to you know go through the motions you can't just half-ass this you have to really look at all the data cross-reference stuff you know, do you, how credible are the people talking about this? You know, that kind of stuff. I agree. Yeah. Somebody mentioned credible, reasonable UFO reporters equals oxymoron. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> oxymoron. And again, I've seen weird stuff. I saw a, uh, an orange orb with my dad last year on his birthday, like in his backyard, it was bizarre. And we just kept saying how bizarre it was. You know, it was just one of those like weird, this thing just like took off before I could even pull up my phone. I was going to pull up the star chart, which again, I'll mention this again. It was weird. My first thought was 
let me pull out a star chart and make sure it's not a star as opposed to let me pull out my camera and take a picture of this thing. It didn't matter. Yeah, well, my... we, I saw some weird stuff when I was going to hunt the uh, the comet, but I'm not going to oh, yeah. make any accusations. Well, yeah, when you were on that Neowise uh, photography yeah. thing that you did for our channel, um, you you caught some weirds. I did see some like weird fluttering lights that were in the background. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, know. who knows? Anyways, but yeah, so that's the report. Um, Hopefully, I'm, we'll have another one soon that yeah. we can. Uh, and I'm go back. Over. I'm back in action. I'll start uh, booking guests and stuff now that I've at least gotten the pain uh, manageable, where I can sit here for a couple hours and do this. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we got to get 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 working on our secret project as well. I'm pumped up for that. And, yeah, uh, we've been working on a secret project. I forgot about that. It has to do with this topic. There'll be more to come out in due time once we get a few more sections done mm -hmm. and uh yeah and there that's you pretty go much it. thanks everybody and like i said thanks to uh the people that have been supporting the show thank you to our patreon members and again thank you to shout out to sandy and um chris and sean and cole and everybody that's reached out for some kind words when i wasn't feeling good here the last month and i appreciate that so yeah we got ourselves a really nice community we've built here so we yep. appreciate that and uh, don't forget to smash that like button i forgot to chime in here yeah that'll be your job going forward so i'll, I'll, <laughs> like, never, I'll like, never remember like, that i don't want to I, I feel bad about it i remember it but it's like i could add a, a little graphic in the beginning that does that if we want i just oh, we'll get graphic all right <laughs> um, no but i don't want to be like every other youtuber but at the same time it really does help us if you smash the like it gets it, it, it we got to tickle the algorithm in some which way but yeah. you know it is what it is well the other thing is is we came back we haven't done this in four weeks and i came right. back so we're and at like, the bottom of the barrel and i just point. plugged in my dslr and like i need a new power adapter for that i like stuff like that it's just like can we can we catch a break here really mm -hmm. you know, so all right brother Anyways, well, i but... hope you feel good better i'll send you the good positive vibes and uh, we'll get back into the swing of things here all right well yeah again thanks everybody and uh yeah and check out our patreon check out our website we love everybody stay safe out there and uh, we'll catch you next time peace peace mm -hmm.